This episode is brought to you by Knowing Hospitality, a full-service hotel management company that has developed a simple and straightforward management fee based on profit, not revenue. If you're a hotel owner that believes in a new way of doing business and want to learn more about the benefits of a profit-based management agreement, visit knowinghospitality.com. Now let's get to the podcast. But it's also something I think hoteliers, and maybe rightfully so, are a bit afraid of to to do like personalized pricing because if you do it wrong ethically it might not not be perceived well from the from the guest perspective it needs to be very clear and be considered fair welcome to the proven principles podcast the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry breaking down the tools tips and tricks that the world's best run hotels use every day here's your host adam knight my guest today is eric tengen He's the co-founder at Oki, a hyper-personalized and automated upsell engine that helps hotels drive additional revenue through perfectly timed guest communication. Front desk upsell programs have existed in varying forms and effectiveness for years. Typically revolving around upselling room categories, many have relied on a front desk agent's ability to quickly engage in providing an offer, while at the same time going through a litany of brand standards while worrying about ringing phones and the ever-growing line of guests forming in the lobby. Oki is a company on a mission to change this paradigm by using information that you already have about your guests in order to engage them in a more personalized and ultimately more effective way. On this episode, Eric shares how the company came about, insights on consumer buying psychology, and how some of the most successful hotels are approaching upsells. If you're looking for a more effective solution to drive additional revenue, focusing on a new way of approaching upsells might be the solution. So let's get to it. This is episode 64 of the Proven Principles podcast, Eric Tengen on the most effective way to approach upselling. Enjoy. Eric, it's great to have you on the show, man. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much, Adam. I'm super, super happy to be here. Yeah, it's it's great to have you. We're talking about upsells today, uh, but I don't want to lead the witness here too much. Um, so before we dive too deep into uh, what's going on in the industry here, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? What are you up to and uh, what's your connection to the industry? Yeah, so I'm a 36-year-old Swedish guy living in Amsterdam. Uh and ended my college uh, back in 2008, started playing professional poker for five years. So traveled the world doing that, um, mostly online, but also uh, some, some stops here and there live. And when I was 23, I was sick and tired of that life. And I thought, okay, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a person that loves to please. Mm-hmm. So that took me to a hotel school in The Hague, actually, in Holland. Oh, wow. That was a very spontaneous decision. I remember stepping out of the tram with my suitcases and it was next to the beach and I hadn't even Google mapped it, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I had just arrived there and I thought this is my new, my new start of my new chapter and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. So that, that took me into the, the hotel space uh, eventually. Just, just like uh, randomly, you just decided, hey, I'm going to go to hotel school. Let's try this out. Now, it, I, I talked to, I have two older brothers. I talked to their friends who I thought had interesting jobs and I asked them, where did you guys, what did you guys do? I felt like I didn't want to leave Sweden. Uh, oh no, I did, didn't want to leave my friends, but my life was becoming a bit predictable. So I wanted something new. Uh, and uh, and then they, mo- many of them, for some reason, had studied at this hotel school. Hmm. And then I just thought, wow, that sounds really cool. And uh, so I just went for it. Just went for it. Did you had you worked in a hotel prior to that? Ever? No, I've like been, at any I, at any level. Actually, during my five years of playing poker professionally, I was flat broke five times. <laughs> and every time I was broke, I was doing F&B, oh, uh, yeah. banqueting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, so so I had some experience with Classic that. Classic story. 
Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so how did you get to the point where you co-founded Oki? What, what's the path that took you there? It was, uh, it was straight, straight, from, straight from hotel school, actually. So uh, I did my last internship at Kuala Lumpur, in Kuala Lumpur, um, for a mystery shopping company. And I couldn't for the world understand how BMW was paying uh, students to visit their BMW stores and give feedback about their experience and then basing their marketing strategies on students' opinions who weren't real buyers. Mm. So we thought, I met, I met Lars there, who is one of the co-founders, and we were starting to talk, okay, we're obviously starting a company, so what are we going to do? <laughs> and my whole, comp- my whole family are entrepreneurs, everybody. Mm-hmm. So that was for me an obvious choice. But uh, that led us eventually, anyway, to an angel investor who said, okay, feedback during the moment is interesting, uh, but you need to focus on one industry. Which one do you know the best? And obviously it was hotels. And then that brought me back to my, my time at the Glen Eagles and all these golf resorts. Mm. I'm, a big, I'm a big golfer. Um, where if you get feedback during the stay, and, or sorry, after the checkout, you can't do anything about it anymore. It's difficult. Right. So the beginning of Oki was actually a real-time feedback solution. But after having built that for a year, a year and a half, uh, as you know, Adam, uh, it's hard to uh, sell something and buy something as a hotelier if there is no proven return on investment. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's hard to measure ROI on feedback. So, oh, yeah. so we basically went back to the drawing board and asked our friends uh, within the industry, how can we generate more revenue for you? Where in the customer journey, does that make sense? And then there was this one Hilton GM who said, we work with a company called Nor One, and uh, they do this thing where they upgrade before arrival. And we thought that sounded super interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that was basically our step into it. And then two years after that, we killed the feedback idea and became yeah. a full-fledged uh, upselling platform in and about 2017. In instant ROI, hopefully. Yeah. And yeah. you can also see it, exactly how much <clears throat> we, gener- we helped to generate. Yeah, yeah, true enough. Um, oh. So, okay, interesting. I mean, Nor One is the big platform out there. That's one that probably a lot of people that work for brands are familiar with. Um, what was it like trying to figure out how to take on, I mean, they're the big dog uh, in this space. How do you figure out where to come at this um, when you know they've already been in the market for as long as they have, already have a proven track record? You know, a GM at Hilton is the one who, who turns you guys onto it. Um, what was that process like? I I think it was, we we were super excited about having this captive audience that were coming to a hotel. You knew a fair share about these guests. So if you were a bit clever around uh, understanding the needs of the guests, you could anticipate on a lot of it. Um, Thanks to having this captive audience and the data. Mm -hmm. And when we looked into NOR1, what we realized what they did was having a really, really hardcore focus around room upgrades and early check-in and late checkout, which is very important. But we, from the get-go said, we are not going to charge commission because then hoteliers will only care about selling high-profit margin deals. And we want to uh, create an upselling platform that not only generates profit, but also enhances the guest experience and we always thought in order to do that we need to facilitate upselling anything and everything as long as it's legal <laughs> uh, to the to the to the hotel guest um, 
partly by, of course, having the hotel sharing what they know, what they're, what is important to their guests, but also partly from us that the more we would upsell, the more hotels would come on, come on board, the more times we've sold to a Russian guest traveling from here to here. And, and we have a very good idea around when you should sell it, what you should offer and, and so on. Yeah. We could give a very, very good ad- advice basically to hotels on how they could upsell, uh, uh, looking at this. It was also kind of simultaneous to where revenue managers went from, from like ADR only to, for example, Trevpar, and then afterwards mm. Net Trevpar. So mm-hmm. it was. Um, so it's not so much uh, setting up uh, a buying mechanism within the reservation process and just saying, okay, hotel, you're on your own now. Are you guys leveraging learnings that you've had at other properties and even in other markets to figure out what works? And then you're able to, to whether it's to tweak it or to provide feedback to the hotels on things that they can do better to try to increase the number of upsells that happen through the, the chain. It's, it's definitely uh, by looking at other hotels because we, we don't care so much about what, what you, Adam, did last time you were here, like a segment of one. But we can definitely look at we can, we we cluster segments, so mm-hmm. you can look at nationalities or rate codes or length of stay, or you can see if it's a business traveler or a leisure or family. Um, and once you've sold to those types of segments hundreds of thousands of times, you you notice a pattern. Like if we take when you look at upselling, you should look at upselling at the right time. So that would be in the pre-arrival phase you have multiple options depending on how the long long lead time you have um but one very interesting data point we saw early on was that um if you want to upsell to a business traveler oh let me ask you adam what do Mm. you think what converts the highest like afternoon or morning for a business traveler oh for like through through the upsell process yeah yeah, like what, what time what time you should send them an email that's a really good question i would say afternoon Okay, it's actually morning. Is it okay? Yeah. 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 So ten. Right, well, 10 so, okay. So we're gonna we got to cut off the show now because I need to reset <laughs> all of my marketing emails. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. No, we 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 just if you just compare two very obvious segments, business and leisure. Uh, the really interesting thing was that the um, business converts highest at ten, and leisure converts highest at at one. But 1 p.m. Uh, was also the worst performing time for business. So mm-hmm. by only optimizing the time, like the, the hour of the day that you send such an email can have a massive impact on personalization and ultimately conversion rate and profit. And that's just one element around upselling. And then it comes down to what do you offer and what pricing do you have and so on. Um, yeah. so it's a really interesting, uh, interesting, we're a very, very niche company. But there's so much you can nerd yourself into that makes it super fascinating. <laughs> I, it sounds like there's a lot of psychology or understanding of of buying psychology that goes into this. It's not just about, to your point, setting it and forgetting it. You need to really understand <clears throat> the demographics, time of day, seasonality. Um, and I imagine it's not just about saying, hey, we, you know, you're in a standard room. We have a deluxe room for another 50 bucks a night. Do you want to buy this? It's got, there's more to it. So mm. what... What is it about the psychology of buying um, that's important to know, especially from, think about that, like on the ground hotel manager, revenue manager, that's going to be taking, once it's, once you're implement, once you've implemented a property, who's going to run this day to day, what do they need to know? Well, I think first of all, 
we shouldn't even when all, with all of these beautiful nuances to make it optimized. If you are, if you're a, a hotel that is uh, driven by a revenue management team, uh, we, for example, have integrations that that makes us makes it able for able for us to pull the bar rates, so that when you sell a room upgrade, the price for that upgrade is always um, in synergy with your revenue strategy. So if a guest has if guest is checking in, in in two weeks and the bar rate is two hundred dollars instead of one hundred, then there you shouldn't you shouldn't have a static price on that room upgrade, but it should be dynamic along with your with your rate strategy. Mm-hmm. So there are many integrations that that should happen, in my opinion, in order to maximize the opportunity. You can also, for example, have dynamic rates on your early check-ins and late checkouts instead mm-hmm. of having a flat fee. You have you take the bar rate and then you just take a percentage of that as a business rule within the upselling software. Hmm. Um, so that automatically, um, you know, combines the the strength that you're already putting in to having dynamic rates on your rooms to now also having your upselling program follow that, that same strategy. I think that's such an interesting idea. We get so stuck in, in sure, there's revenue management on the room itself and that rate floats up and down. But- we're so stuck in thinking that rate category jumps need to be fixed and mm. your, you know, early check-in, late checkout needs to be fixed. Uh, you know, an area that, that we've spent a lot of time thinking about here is revenue managing your restaurant yeah. uh, menu. So, you know, if you, if you're, if you're trying to drive occupancy and you drop your rate to $99 and you're usually up around 200, but you haven't changed the price of your breakfast and, and yeah. you're wondering why you know nobody's going in and eating when the price of breakfast is almost the same amount of money as the cost yeah. of the room now. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's obvious when you put it in terms like that. But I, I guess where I'm going is, it there's a lot of opportunity here to upsell to to get a little bit more share of wallet of your guests yeah. if you're just willing to be a little bit um, imaginative and flexible in how you price everything under that roof. Yeah, absolutely. And pricing is, of course, a, a really nice component, and you can make these integrations that make it dynamic. Um, but it's also something I think hoteliers, and maybe rightfully so, are a bit afraid of to to do like personalized pricing. Because if you do it wrong ethically, it might not not be perceived well from the from the guest perspective. It needs to be very clear and be considered fair. But I I do think when you do it on on upgrades and early check-ins and late checkout, it is very fair. Because if you pay mm-hmm. more for the room, I think you're willing to pay more for that upgrade and early check-in, late checkout as well. Right. Um, we have a, a customer hotel chain in, in Germany, and he said he can't do it on parking, for example, because they have all these printed materials in the parking lot. So <laughs> th- that is uh, hindering. Uh, so, you know, there, there's some... But that's an easy fix. Maybe, it is Just get rid of the printed stuff. <laughs> Just get rid of the printed stuff. <laughs> I will tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, this, okay. So c- conceptually, this this is all sounds um, incredible. And I've personally used Nor1 in the past. I've personally had to put together upsell incentive programs for my front desk agents and reservation agents in hotels throughout the years. And they they work to varying degrees. How How did you go about setting those up? Well, I mean, honestly, just like we're talking about where where there's little thought put into um, 
how much of a jump there is in between items. Usually you let the rate flow, but everything else stays static. These are usually very simple and, and typically seen as easy to manage. So it's a flat rate percentage that the front desk agent or the reservations agent get. Uh, and then if there's a, there's a team goal typically that's set on the month. And if the mm -hmm. team hits that goal, then there's an extra kicker for everybody. Yeah. It's really just set it and forget it. Um, but I'm, but I'm curious, go ahead. No, I was just like, because the challenging thing, you have to be, either you have to be extremely consistent, I would imagine as a front desk agent to be good at this, because you just have to ask, if you ask a thousand people in a row, you will have some success rate. Yeah. Um, or you are able to ask really great probing questions in that super limited time that you have, right? So how did you yeah. manage that? <clears throat> well, so one of the things that we would do, and th there's a couple of ways to go about it. So the most success that we ever had was in our, our, our lineup, uh, our pre-shift that we would do a pre-shift meeting. Um, as a manager, you'd usually, you'd know, obviously what your, um, your availability was. And if there were a handful of suites available, and if you weren't trying to balance your inventory, which is a whole other discussion, but if you had a couple of suites available, um, and you know, you could, you could set, you could have a competition where the agents would, you know, the first one to, to upsell somebody to one of these suites or upsell both of them, you know, they would get, you know, some little prize. The problem with that is that it comes across to the guest as very, almost very pushy. It also doesn't set the agents up for success because some people are natural sellers and they're very outgoing and others are very yeah. uncomfortable uh, approaching that conversation with somebody. So you, what you found over time is like, is the people that were more outgoing and more, um, I suppose, maybe uh, willing to annoy the guest with a pushy sales pitch uh, were the ones that did better. So inherently, it was a very unfair system, even though, like, you know, you kind of think it's very democratic way of doing it. Um, so, you know, there, there was that piece. Um, it's, I'm curious to know though, like from your perspective, how do you, or how should we be thinking about upsells today? Because I imagine that there's a lot of psycho psychological changes in buying patterns based off of the last 18 months with the pandemic and people just starting to get out and, and travel again. And on one side, I could think, well, there's probably people are willing to spend a lot more money because they haven't been spending a lot of money and they want to get out on their first vacations and whatnot and, and do that. The other side of me thinks that it, we're starting to see so much price sensitivity now in hotels. Sure, you know there was a time in the summer when rates were going up and hotels could charge whatever they want. Now that that leisure demand is has waned after you know the first weekend of September and Labor Day here in the U.S. Uh, in Canada, that um, that's probably not as easy anymore. Yeah, like um, to to a large extent, we we. It it is a different world. Like we saw that this revenge travel that happened uh, all of all of last year. Mm -hmm. I also I I did it myself. I splurged way more than I usually do <laughs> on all these staycations that we went to. Um, but like, if you look at the items that are being sold, um, it's very much business as usual. Uh, actually, um, the top five items I think that we sell outside of room upgrades were still early check-in, late checkout, parking, breakfast, and then a range of F&B deals. And then spa, of course, if 
but not that many hotels have a spa. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, it's like just trickle down. We, we have a database of 8,000 ancillary services that have been sold, like all the way down to selling goldfish to, to hotels <laughs> that you put in the room. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a big menu. Mm -hmm. um, but if you look at the ones that generate the, the most revenue, it's very much the same. But having said that, around the psychology and what I think happened last year was that with fewer guests traveling, hoteliers became more um, aware of the opportunity to generate more revenue from the fewer guests that were traveling by utilizing upselling better. So there was a bigger need and for the value proposition that we could offer was strengthened big time. Um, and what you can do, I think, when you when you put in place an upselling strategy, which is partly digital and partly offline at check-in and make them work in tandem uh, is super, super uh, effective and, and re can really have amazing results. But I think um, it needs to be like, a, without going into too many details, it needs to be a balance of not uh, spamming the guests with too many offers, like it's trying to stay hyper relevant, but still trying to be very proactive in terms of looking at, so that's why I asked you, how do you how do you build an upselling strategy? We, we mm -hmm. tried to, we created an upselling course actually, on courses.oki.com, where mm -hmm. we, we, we basically talk about a lot of things around upselling. And one of them is the, what the most successful hotel chains that use Oki, they have an upselling champion. Mm -hmm. And this person literally has, the up, he has upselling as his, his or her role. And he or she would then bring together all the department leads where normally a hotel works very much in isolation, right? They marketing oh, yeah. and, and other departments don't talk to each other. But now the FMB manager is sitting there talking about these are the promotions I would like to run. I think these and these dishes work perfectly to that, those types of segments, etc. And you can then set up the upselling strategy in such a way that you actually showcase the very, very relevant offers that you have for the time that your guests will be sp staying with you, um, but also targeted towards the right type of customer. Um, mm. And if you do this uh, across the full guest journey, so starting before arrival on multiple occasions, uh, and then also at the front desk and, and in-stay as well, um, you have many chance to score a goal. And mm. if you do it in a way that doesn't feel very intrusive, but actually relevant, then there's a, there's a really, really big upside to be had. And yeah, there's no, much more I can share about this in detail. No, please, please keep going, because I think it's fascinating. Um, the, the, the thing that comes to mind is, you know, it, so number one, you, you mentioned are parking, early check-in, check-out, some sort of F&B inclusion. Breakfast also is a big one. I'm, I was assuming it's breakfast. Mm. Um, oftentimes, hotels will create room packages that, with the exception of early check-in, check-out, Will include parking. Will include yeah. some component of F and B, uh, and 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 put those things out there and just hope that people buy them. Mm. Effectively, I mean, you know, you might have a splash page on your website, or you know, buy your F and B package, or you know, sometimes there's an add-on breakfast offering through the reservation booking process online. Uh, is there? Do you have any any info or data on how successful what we're talking about today is in getting people to buy breakfast, for example, through, through Oki, through that upsell, air quote upsell process versus a hotel just creating a package is including all of that together 
and, and making it seemingly um, maybe simpler for the guest on the face of it. Yeah, I don't have any data because we can't compare with what if they hadn't booked that package. Yeah. Uh, but the conversion rates are really high. Like uh, on a breakfast, I think it's like eight, nine, 10% that, that would buy a, a breakfast uh, oh, wow. on, on an average hotel. Um, actually, I, I can share with you some stats. I don't have them by heart, but uh, we, we did something funny a few months ago where we did the upselling Oscars. So we <laughs> we gave out uh, like the three most converting deals of the year, et cetera. So some very interesting uh, maybe I can share it as a slides and you yeah, can send them over. Yeah, the, for sure. The link after. What I'll do, I'll link to it in the show notes. I'll link to the courses.oki.com yeah. as well if people want to check that out. Yeah. Um, um, sorry, what, what were we talking about? It was the. Um, oh, just uh, package element, things that are usually oh, yeah, included yeah. as package elements. But I think one, actually, it was pretty interesting. Speaking of, of, of the US, there was an article I saw that was all over my LinkedIn feed where it was the CEO of MCR Hotels. And he was talking about how he he implemented naked rates and basically debundling of everything. And he was now going to charge, I don't know, $30, $40 to even use the pool. And I, I thought about it. And I, I think that makes so much sense because even if you, sh even if you stay in a Shangri-La or like a beautiful luxury hotel, mm -hmm. you might have a different budget than someone else. And mm -hmm. for you to just buy that naked rate it makes the, even the luxury hotels much more competitive. And you can then debundle and sell all of the other items separately. So yeah. I think from a guest experience, it's fabulous. And then if you, just, if you have a way to uh, effectively upsell all of the other small, even the tiny items can even be free things. Um, that, that to me, um, yeah, it's, it's a super guest experience. And also uh, I, I think hotels, well, I don't have any data on that, but I, I do know that if you have a booking engine that is that is very, very slim and you have a minimum amount of clicks to get the direct booking and you skip packages and, and unnecessary things in there, you're, you have a higher conversion rate on your direct bookings and you can then manage all of the upsells and packages separately uh, pre-stay. Um, I, I mean, conceptually, I love the idea. It's, it's almost taking the airline model and yeah. applying it to everything, right? Um, so many hotels now have gone and are continuing to go the amenity fee or the resort fee or the, you know, call it whatever you want, where everything is bundled up into mm. one, you know, additional 25 to $50 a night, maybe more in some cases. And the theory is that, uh, you know, that is, is intended to be uh, additional revenue for the hotel. And it's a lot of money, actually. They do make a yeah, lot of I can money imagine. on it. It must be um, very meaningful. It could be, yeah, it definitely is. Like it, there's a definitely an impact on the PL. You, you for sure see that. But one of the complaints that I hear time and again is why am I paying for you know this amenity fee when I didn't use any of the things in your hotel? Yeah. And that's a fundamental f flaw, I suppose, in in the approach is that from a th from the guest's perspective, it's just it's just it feels like a money grab. And, you know, yeah. hotels, I think they spend a lot of time trying to figure out, well, okay, so you can get free coffee and you get a free newspaper and maybe we have bikes that you can use. And, you know, they, they sort of throw as many things at this fee as possible, uh, not necessarily thinking about whether or not those are things that the guests actually want. And what, yeah. what happens is that a lot, a good percentage of them say that I didn't use any of these things. They complain about the fee. The fee gets... Uh, 
hopefully it gets refunded uh, at checkout after the guest complains about it, or, and maybe they never stay there again because they don't yeah. want to pay that fee. They go somewhere else. So I yeah. really like this idea of decoupling everything um, in charging it, it, for it, use. If you were in America, because this is interesting, because in outside of the US, I believe resort fees aren't as prevalent, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you were a, a hotel that has a resort fee and you decide to decouple, would you then need to skip the re- resort fee completely? Or would you have packaged rates where some include a resort fee and some don't? Have you seen examples of that? I haven't, but I, th- I don't see why you wouldn't be able to do that. I mean, that could just be, that could be a package. If you've yeah. decoupled everything, I think that the, the I mean, you know, practically speaking, there's a lot of policing that would have to happen. You'd have to make sure that, yeah, like, yeah, that's true, you know, yeah. oh, you didn't, so you didn't buy gym <laughs> yeah. access. So what are you doing in here? Right. So like yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot of operational, um, yeah, that's friction true. that'll be created. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that it's an insurmountable challenge. It's a really interesting way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, from a, a pre-stay versus in-stay perspective, uh, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier, um, can you walk me through what it looks like from the guest side when they're going through the booking process and then when they're checking in from a front desk agent's side? Are they served up several upsell options based off of information that you have through the res process? And then when they check in, does the front desk agent have any clarity on what those offerings that were served up through the booking process were? And then they reintroduce them as an option or are they, are they completely different inclusions that can be sold at the, at the check-in process? Yeah, so, uh, let, let's start. Um, so let's walk through the customer journey then. So. So currently we actually don't facilitate upselling at the booking process itself. So we, we come in today, we come in after the booking has been made and pre-stay is a huge opportunity for hotels uh, and many hotels that are also doing upselling there today, but maybe not optimizing for it can have really high conversion rates. Um, So we're seeing from the emails that we're sending an 83% open rate and, and 10 to 15% conversion rate on, on an average guest. And the interesting thing is when you offer a menu of items, the, the average guest is buying 2.2 deals. So it can be an, a, a room upgrade and 1.2 other items hmm. on average. Um, but typically how it would could look like is uh, say you're lucky and you have a long uh, lead time. So a guest is checking in in 21 days or something. Mm-hmm. If you look at uh, three to 21 days before arrival, email is really effective channel still, the most effective actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what we think is very effective to do is uh, as early as you can, but after it, it's important that you do it a while after you've you've uh, made the made the booking because then you forget about the two thousand dollars you spent on the rooms and then you're you're psychologically open to 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 spending more on the stay. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a very good time typically to sell room upgrades because if you sell a room upgrade from a standard room to a suite and you do it fifteen days before arrival, how Oki works is that when you buy that upgrade, it gets pushed into the folio of the guest and the uh, the room that was originally booked, the standard room, now can be pushed out through the channel manager and get resold. Mm-hmm. So you, it's like a machine. You just keep high occupancy on your base category rooms while you move paid upgrades uh, uh, to higher categories. Mm-hmm. So doing that early in the customer journey, the way that we do it uh, makes, makes a lot of sense. Mm. 
Um, and then psychologically, from a guest perspective, once you get closer to departure, you start to think about your, your travel. What is the weather going to be like? What are we going to do? Uh, it's a great opportunity to be proactive around things to see and do and eat and experience uh, inside of your hotel or around it. Um, so here we, we help hoteliers automatically reach out with ancillary services and products. Uh, and that can be, yeah, I like the, the list is, 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 is endless <laughs> with, with what you can do. It can be anything from the classical things like we talked about, F&B, early check-in, late checkout, mm -hmm. uh, you know, things in the room. Um, but it can also go as far as you say, I want to turn down housekeeping. And I have a really funny example, uh, uh, an independent hotel here with a great pizzeria. They started saying, okay, save the planet with a free pizza was their deal. Hmm. So turn down your housekeeping and we'll give you a free pizza. And then <laughs> one, one uh, they had so many, uh, like the housekeeping was was costing them, I think, $10, $11 a night. And the pizza was only $2. So that was a profit of, of $9 every time. Mm -hmm. It was only the, the pizza pizza guy who got really busy when there was like 100 <laughs> <laughs> turned down <laughs> um, uh, nights uh, in terms of housekeeping. But so upselling in our, in our perspective, it should also include these a little bit quirky deals that are different. If you're a branded hotel, you can also make it possible for guests that aren't yet loyalty members to sign up as, as a loyalty member pre-stay. Mm -hmm. um, but if we go away from three days and closer to check-in, the interesting thing there is that email is no longer effective. So when you talk about last-minute reservations, uh, I have more data in, in Europe and Middle East and um, uh, APAC and Asia-Pacific. But uh, by far, text message and omni-channel is, is the better uh, channel hmm. then for last-minute reservations. Interesting. Um, and then once you check in, uh, we, we did a lot of tests to see, does pre-arrival upselling cannibalize on the front desk opportunity? Um, and it turns out that it doesn't. Um, many times, if the front desk agent knows what the guest has bought before arrival, there's an opportunity to maybe add on to that. Because it's typically and interestingly so that a guest that buys something pre-stay is more willing to buy something at the front desk as well, because they're typically those types of guests that would mm -hmm. be happy to pay for something that is relevant. Mm -hmm. um, but also a very good thing to, to pay attention to is that in, in the booking process, and I have the same thing myself, when you book a hotel, you don't, I, I at least don't spend hours and hours on looking at what everything the hotel has to offer can be. But if you offer it in a pre-stay uh, way, those guests that don't buy it necessarily, they have a view of everything that you have to offer. Mm -hmm. So when you're at the front desk, normally it wouldn't be possible to say, would you like an upgrade? Would you like a late checkout? Would you like an access to this bar? Would you like a business lounge? <laughs> la, 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 la. Because you don't have time for it. But right. what we see in our hotels is now that a lot of guests have actually been informed pre-stay. They say, hey, I saw this. Can I, can I also buy an upgrade to that? So that oh, interesting. almost like an inbound lead, but then for, for the kind front of planting the seed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like that. Um, is there any uh, tech integration that anybody needs to be aware of if they want to bring Oki into their hotel? Yeah, there, there are many ways of doing it. The, the, we, we have integrations with uh, the biggest PMS uh, players in the industry, okay. many of them, as you have to do in this fragmented industry mm -hmm. we're living in. Mm -hmm. um, so th that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a necessity. Another way of doing it is that we integrate to CRM systems. 
So a big CRM player in uh, in the US is, for example, Sendine, mm-hmm. where we have an integration with them, where it's where we can Oki can be powering upselling through their email communication. And it's really cool. Then, then we can also utilize the information that sits inside of the CRM, so we can personalize the upselling even more, and uh, also having the opportunity to say whatever Adam bought through Oki can then be pushed back into the CRM, so you enrich the the guest profile even further. Wow. Um, and then uh, it's yeah, there are more. We also integrate to a bunch of messaging solutions to be able to send WhatsApp and WeChat and uh, and chatbot solutions on the brand.com as well. Uh, right. Yeah. So yeah, num- numerous a, uh, ways of doing it. All kinds of ways, all kinds of ways mm-hmm. to, to implement. Uh, Eric, this was very enlightening. Uh, I appreciate you walking through um, what Oki's all about and some of the psychology of buying right now. And you know, I, I know that there's a lot of hotels out there that I think that could benefit from uh, what it is you guys are doing. So I appreciate you coming on the show. If anybody wants to learn more about you, about Oki, uh, anything you guys are working on, where should they go? Uh, just go to oki.com. That's there we'll find everything they need. Sounds good. I'll link to it in the show notes. So Eric, uh, thanks again for being on the show. Thank you, Adam. And thanks everyone for listening. Enjoy your day. This was my episode with Eric Tengen. You can learn more about him and Oki at Oki.com. If you want to hear past episodes or check out our other content, just go to theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. I'm Adam Knight, and you've been listening to the Proven Principles Podcast. Until next time.